Welcome to Living Word Ministries with director and Bible teacher, Debbie Blank. Each week, Debbie examines current events through the lens of end times Bible prophecies. Please visit our website for information and past programs at livingwordministry.org. Now let's open our Bibles to focus on truths from God's Word with Debbie Blank. As World War II was coming to a close, U.S. General Dwight Eisenhower, the Supreme Commander of the Allied Forces in Europe, and U.S. Generals Omar Bradley and George Patton Jr. toured Ordruff, one of the first concentration camps the Americans liberated. Eisenhower later wrote, I have never felt able to describe my emotional reaction when I first came face to face with indisputable evidence of Nazi brutality and ruthless disregard of every shred of decency. I have never at any time experienced an equal sense of shock. That's from the commander of a war. Because when he saw what the Nazis had done to defenseless Jews, it was an anathema to him. He went on to say that he visited every nook and cranny of the camp because he felt it was his duty to be in his position from then on to testify firsthand of everything that he saw and that he could tell that to the people at home. So the stories of Nazi brutality weren't just propaganda, it was fact. He also sent a letter to the United States and to the UK to tell them to instantly come to Germany, send a random group of politicians as well as newspaper editors so that they could see and document the evidence that he was seeing. He then insisted that Germans from nearby towns visit the camp to see what had been done in their name. In addition, he required all the American soldiers to tour the camp so they could see the evil as well and know what they were fighting. With all that proof, countless people worldwide still deny the Holocaust ever happened or that Germany could do such terrible acts. Today we're seeing the same thing with the Hamas-Palestinian terrorists in the Gaza Strip. They attacked innocent children in their homes on a Sabbath morning. They brutally terrorized and killed men, women, and children, burning them, burning their homes, cutting off heads of babies, hanging infants on fences with their mother's bras, raping and murdering young women, taking captives into Gaza, including the elderly. That is so atrocious that the pictures that have been taken have always been kept secret in the past by Israel, but they wanted to show it to the news people. They wanted to show it to the appropriate people so that people could actually see how horrific all of this was, just like Eisenhower wanted to do at the time of the concentration camps. So here we are, though, a few weeks later, people worldwide are ignoring the atrocities. They're rallying support of Hamas. They're vilifying and blaming Israel for the tragedy. How can this happen? How can people do this? That would be equated to people in the United States and around the world saying that the United States was responsible for the 9-11 attacks and the death of our innocent people. That's ridiculous. And yet that's what's happening. How is that happening? Pure and simple. It's known as anti-Semitism. People have hated and mistreated the Jews for thousands of years. While we wouldn't think that would happen in our day and age, after the horrible events of the Holocaust, it is, and it's worse than ever. I'm Debbie Blank, broken by the blindness and anti-God behavior towards anyone, 
let alone God's chosen people. And I'm co-host Jackie Sailors. I am shaking as I start out today. I just saw some videos of what's going on against the Jews, not just in Israel, but all over the world in supposedly civilized countries, including our own. I see absolute evil being glorified and civilians being hunted down and attacked only because they're Jewish, not just Israeli Jews, but any Jews, wherever they are. This goes far beyond mere war, where soldiers fight other soldiers and collateral damage occurs. These are terrorists setting out to kill unarmed civilians. It's murder, it's genocide, and it's horrible. Anti-Semitic attacks here in the United States alone have increased over 4,000% in the last few weeks. And this anti-Semitism is being supported by some of our most prestigious institutions. What force can possibly be behind this type of hatred? Because I believe it's something beyond man's normal sin nature. I believe this has demonic force behind it. And if you look back through history and delve into God's word, it always has. Mm, Satan has never given up trying to kill the Jews. From the time they were called by God to be his chosen people in Genesis all the way through until Jesus returns, they are still his chosen people. But Satan wants to destroy them because the Messiah was promised to come through the Jews. The Messiah will return for the Jews. And so if Satan can destroy the Jews, then he can say that God's a liar and God's not fulfilling his prophecies. And he will destroy that understanding of God. So Satan has never given up on trying to turn the Jews away from God and trying to turn the world against the Jews. But as you say, that's just an anathema to us. I can't understand that. I was raised to respect people of all religions and backgrounds. To see this kind of unilateral hatred towards anyone is beyond what I can understand. So I tried to understand it. And I realized that Christians have been saying since the time of Christ that they're against the Jews because the Jews don't accept Christ as the Messiah, but mostly because the Jews killed Jesus. Well, that couldn't be further from the truth. First of all, we have to understand the Jews didn't have the ability to kill anyone at that time. It was the Romans, not the Jews. The Jews certainly may have given them up, and they did, to the Romans. But the Romans are the ones that made that decision. But this is the most important thing to know, and that is that nobody killed Jesus. He gave up his own life. In John 10, 17 and 18, Jesus said, For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one can take it from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. So Jesus admits right there that nobody's going to kill him. He made the decision when he came to earth that he would give up his life to save us from our sins. So why are we blaming the Jews for this? Because Satan wants to destroy the Jews and always has. So he uses anti-Semitism throughout history to do that. God's plan for the redemption of the world, as I said, was promised through Abraham. Satan tried to stop it at Jesus' birth with Herod killing the children under two that were in Bethlehem. He did everything he could to destroy the Jews at the time of the Holocaust. During the time of Esther, before Christ was born, he tried to destroy the Jews through evil Haman. But God is God. 
No one can supersede his plans. He is supreme. He is sovereign over all. And he will fulfill all of his prophecies about the Jews, just as he always has. He will supernaturally protect them. But they will also go through a lot of trials, as they have been doing. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 9 through 12, They will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you. And you'll be hated by all nations because of my name. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. And we're seeing that today. As the time of Jesus' return draws closer, it's only going to get worse. So the background you just gave gives us a really good idea of who is behind all of this. It is Satan. So that when we see things that are so graphic and so terrible and so unreasonable, things that we can't even imagine that human beings would even think up to do, we know who's behind it. It's the powers and principalities. We're not just fighting against flesh and blood, according to Scripture. And that's what Ephesians 6, verse 12 says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's where our battle is. So instead of hating the Jews or any other entity, or even being mad at the Muslims or hating them for what they've done to the United States and Israel and many places around the world, We instead need to realize that this is a spiritual battle. So let's take this in prayer to God in the heavenlies, because this rise of anti-Semitism that you mentioned is only getting worse. Let's talk about that a little bit. Anti-Semitism, it's been normalized pretty much in the nation's universities and in some cases the halls of Congress, as well as in countries around the world. Anti-Defamation League CEO Jonathan Greenblatt explained that anti-Semitism incidents have reached an all-time high in our country. Realize that we have the second largest Jewish population in the world behind Israel. We have almost as many Jews here as they have in Israel. So having anti-Semitism be raised here is very similar to what they're experiencing there, which means that the Jews are going to have more attacks here in the United States. Greenblatt goes on to say, We've been tracking the data for 45 years. 2022 was the worst year we have ever seen in anti-Semitic acts. The numbers in 2022 were more than 500% greater than a decade earlier. In France, in Belgium, and in many other places, it's not even safe for the Jews to wear a kippah, that little hat over the back of their head. The Jews put a mezuzah on the outside of their doors, which has their Shema in it, which is the scripture from Deuteronomy 6, specifically verse 4, which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. These mezuzahs are little, usually metal or wooden things that they put on the outside right-hand part of their door. And when they walk in their houses, they kiss their hand and kiss the mezuzah and kiss their hand again because they're saying they're honoring God's word. Well, the mezuzahs have to be removed. And indeed, people have to be on alert in Belgium. A Dutch Air Force reservist said he seriously questions whether there's a future for people of the Jewish descent in present-day Europe. Yale Hernandez, a French-born woman from Marseille, says she feels that the French government, the state supports her and the Jewish population. But she says, so what? The aggression comes from the population, the Muslim ones. In 2010, which is pretty much like it is today, 76% of the hate crimes were motivated by religious bias against the Jews. Muslims only experienced 6% of the hate crimes. 
So anti-Semitism is alive and well and getting worse. And what's really interesting, as you gave those statistics, is just recently at a press conference, Karine Jean-Pierre, the spokesperson for the administration, was asked what Biden's level of concern was right now about the potential rise of anti-Semitism. And she said, quote, Muslims and those perceived to be Muslim have endured a disproportionate number of hate-fueled attacks. That was her response. People were pretty shocked that her response was to talk about disproportionate hate crimes against Muslims when the facts are it's way more with the Jews. That just shows you anti-Semitism right there. What a sad scenario. And it's not just her. The media has taken an anti-Israeli and an anti-Semitic approach. CNN refuses to call Hamas terrorists, even though they are labeled as such by the United States and England. Instead, they call them freedom fighters. In an interview at CBS this morning, they discussed a note that was found on a terrorist, which included the terrorist directives to behead people and remove their hearts and their livers of the Israelis and the horrible things they were supposed to do. And the CBS this morning said, well, the note's not been fully authenticated. Excuse me, but is Israel going to put something like that on the news if it's not fact? The answer is no, they're not. Even the Omaha World Herald, in an article a few weeks ago, gave pretty factual information, but the words that they used were very biased against Israel and for Hamas. So all it takes is a few words here and there. The New York Times lead article read, Israel strike kills hundreds in hospital. They didn't bother to verify it with Israel or get Israel's response on that. They just took what the Palestinians said which turned out to be false. And New York Times had a lot of egg on their face because it was the rockets fired by Hamas that hit the hospital parking lot, which hurt part of the hospital, killed some of the citizens. It wasn't Israel, but the New York Times and other national and international news media are taking what the Hamas say and print and using that for fact. It makes you know that you need to be very careful, and there's kind of a 24-hour, 72-hour rule. Don't take what they tell you at face value right away, particularly in wartime. There's a lot of propaganda. We don't know who's influencing the media, but I know that when that hospital supposedly was hit, given, I think, 24 hours, they had documented evidence that it was Hamas's misfiring of a rocket. They had video evidence, they had audio evidence, they had irrefutable evidence. And so instead of coming out with a major correction like they used to do with the media, they just kind of slip in a story where there's changed the facts a little bit. They don't say we were wrong. It used to be an imperative to put out a correction when a story was wrong like that. But they don't do that anymore. And then you look at the university, the professors and the students there. A Cornell professor said that he was exhilarated by Hamas by their October 7th terror attacks on Israel. A group of Jewish students had to take shelter in a library at Cooper Union in New York as a group of demonstrators outside their doors banged on the doors and loudly chanted, Free Palestine. We have students demonstrating all over the country in support of Hamas. At the University of California in Berkeley, a teaching assistant, Victoria Hanuk, sent an email to students offering them extra credit in one of two ways. First, they could attend a national student walkout against the settler colonial occupation of Gaza, as she called it, 
Or they could watch a documentary on Palestine and call and email their local California representative. So the students are being taught things by their professors that are anti-Semitic. It's not just a matter of Palestine versus Israel. It's hatred towards Israel. And we shouldn't be surprised because the Palestinians teach in their schools the hatred of Israel as a nation and of Jewish people. They even show maps that say Palestine on them that don't recognize Israel as a nation. They are taught in the Hamas schools and even in other schools in Palestine that jihad is the way of redemption, that they are to kill the Jews and look forward to being a martyr for Allah. Dr. Phil recently came out with an interesting statement. And in part of it, he says, seriously, have some of these people gotten together and collectively lost their minds? We know right from wrong. And then he goes on to say, the leadership of these supposedly highly sophisticated schools are so busy virtue signaling and coddling students who think that words are violence. But violence, horrific, inhumane violence, is social justice. That they've forgotten it's their job to teach their students to think and to test reality. That's kind of putting it mildly. I think he hits the nail on the head there. Well, someone recently said that students are being taught and believe in a moralistic, therapeutic deism. In other words, kids have a heart to help the persecuted, those who are underprivileged or those who are dealing with what they're told the Palestinians are dealing with. So they're quick to jump on a cause. The problem is they're doing it without the knowledge or the facts. I think if most students realized what they meant when they were saying Palestine will be free from the river to the sea, that that is talking about the annihilation of an entire country, the country of Israel, and the killing or dissemination of all the Jewish people, I think they wouldn't support that. But they're just going with what their feelings are telling them rather than the true facts. And then we can look at the United Nations approach Since 2015, the General Assembly of the United Nations has adopted 140 resolutions criticizing Israel. Over that same period, it has passed 68 resolutions against all other countries combined. There's a certain disproportion there. But then realize that 25% of the world are Muslims. And Muslims, for the most part, hate the Jews because their Quran tells them to. So these countries that are part of the United Nations have the upper hand. The Secretary General of the United Nations made a comment at the Security Council meeting, the Hamas attacks, quote, did not happen in a vacuum, end quote. He went on to give justification to the butchering of babies and burning of families by claiming that the Palestinians live under a suffocating occupation. Remember what we said before, Gaza Strip was a free country. No occupation whatsoever by Israel. Many of the cities in the West Bank are free, not under Israel occupation. So to make a statement like that, especially being the Secretary General of the UN, that shows the anti-Semitism. There was a resolution that called for an immediate ceasefire in Gaza in the United Nations, and it passed overwhelmingly. 120 countries voted in favor of this non-binding resolution, 45 countries abstained, and only 14 voted against it, including the United States, fortunately. 
you can see its character. And the, again, the force that we were talking about, that spirit of Satan, actually, that's going after the Jews, because when you read these resolutions and compare them with the other ones, it makes no sense. There's really no substance to it. But they come out with these and vote for them anyway. And as you said, look at the majority of the countries that are being deceived by this and doing this. And even in the United States, that's what amazes me. Jews in New York City were cautioned to stay home on Saturday, October 28th, due to a large pro-Palestinian rally in Brooklyn. A Jewish nine-year-old boy was threatened with a knife on his school playground when somebody said, I will kill you, Jew. The California school, a two-word slogan was graffitied opposite a children's school that said, F Israel, and there was a rat painted next to it, draped in a Palestinian flag. These are just minor things that have happened since the October 7th massacre of people in Israel. And it's going to get worse in the United States. In Russia, an LL aircraft was diverted away from their destination city because a huge group of Muslims stormed the airport and were going to kill the Jews. They also stopped all the cars on the way to the airport to see if they had a Jew in it or were going to pick up Jews so that they could hurt and kill and knife them. In that same city of Dagestan, they set the Jewish center on fire. By the way, when this plane was diverted to a different city in Russia, they had to lock the doors to keep the Israelis safe in this new city that it was diverted to. Now that's in Russia. It's not here, but we're seeing that all across the world. In Amsterdam, three Jewish schools were shuttered temporarily, one of them twice over safety worries. In Istanbul, a bookstore put up a sign that says, Jews not allowed. We're seeing semblances all over the world against the Jews. That's anti-Semitism at its worst. I saw the hordes of Russian people rushing into that airport to hunt down and extract whatever Jews they could find that happened to come into that airport. It was horrific, that mob activity and mentality. And you wonder when you see some of the demonstrations in the United States, could anything like that happen here? There's an article that talked about a suspect breaking into a Jewish family's home in Los Angeles in the early hours of Wednesday, October 25th, and threatened to kill those inside while shouting, free Palestine, free Palestine, and kill Jewish people. The authorities got there and took care of things, but how horrific is this to know that there are people here in this country that would break into somebody's home and do that just because they're Jewish? And some people will say, well, it's only because of the Israelis and we're against Israel. We're not not against Jewish people, but that's wrong. They're proving that they're against all Jews. The way I understand that story is that when he came in, the husband pushed him outside of the bedroom and yelled to his pregnant wife, get my gun. As he was pushing this man away, the man put his arms up and said, don't shoot me, don't shoot me. So the man was able to subdue him. The man didn't have a gun, but that was his only hope of trying to scare off this guy because the person who was in his home didn't have a gun either. The speed and the scale and the violence that is taking place by people who are full of hatred, who don't understand the true facts, or who who are believing an agenda, or who are Muslims who actually followed their agenda. It's debilitating. Even in Berlin, this is Germany, where the Holocaust took place. Unidentified individuals hurled firebombs at a synagogue in Berlin. 
and the anti-Semitism watchdog in Germany has documented 202 incidences just in the first part of October after the Gaza war, a 240% increase over the tally in October of 2020. In Vienna, people who wanted to show their support for Israel were warned by authorities for the first time not to display Israeli flags on the street for fear of violence. Quote, fears of identifying as Jewish in many European cities predate the October 7 attacks, though the outbreak of war has made the situation even much more fraught, end quote. One of the rabbis has said. Understand that the war with Gaza has been going on ever since they took over this territory in 2007. They have shot tens of thousands, even hundreds of thousands of rockets into Israel. And Israel has responded a little bit to protect their country, but never like they are now. You look at a video game. It's called Roblox. It's different from most other video games. First of all, it has 65 million daily users which is about 45% of those who are 12 years of age or younger. And these users can interact across international borders as they create and explore virtual settings. This platform has been home to several pro-Palestinian gatherings, and the Israeli ministry is warning the game characters are brandishing Saudi and Palestinian flags, and they've attacked players who identify as Israelis. In one instance, which was shared on a Facebook page with Israeli parents, a parent warned that their child had seen other Roblox users possibly reenacting the October 7th massacre of Israelis. Last year, it removed a virtual Nazi gas chamber that users could operate. So we have video games for our kids that are anti-Semitic, teaching our children to hate the Jews. I've heard people say it's not just the Jews, We need to know that there's a Hamas leader who has called for people to come against Jews and Christians and soft Muslims. Sounds just like World War II, doesn't it? When the Nazis first came after the communists and they came after the gypsies and the homosexuals and, of course, the Jews, and nobody stood up, and then they came after me. We're going to be in that same situation if we don't take action here in the United States soon imperative from a biblical standpoint that we in the United States support Israel. Well, and the Muslims see them as the little Satan, and they see the United States as the big Satan. Well, it's only going to get worse. In Zechariah 12, 2 and 3, and 6 through 9, it says, Behold, I'm going to make Jerusalem a cup that causes reeling to all the peoples around. And when the siege is against Jerusalem, it will also be against Judah. It will come about in that day that I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the peoples and all who lift it will be severely injured and all the nations of the earth will be gathered against that. He goes on to say, in that day, I will make the clans of Judah like a fire pot among pieces of wood and a flaming torch among sheaves. So they will consume on their right hand and on their left all the surrounding peoples while the inhabitants of Jerusalem again dwell on their own sites in Jerusalem. Now, these are prophecies probably dealing with the time when Jesus is going to return. But we're looking at a point where everyone, all the nations of the earth are going to come up against Jerusalem. And then when Jesus comes, it says in verse 7, the Lord will save the tents of Judah first. In that day, the Lord will defend the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And in that day, I will set about to destroy all the nations that come up against Jerusalem. Jerusalem, Israel has hope. God's going to keep them there in that land. 
until he returns. But boy, is it going to be tough in the process. Glenn Beck recalls the conversation he had with the chief rabbi of Poland, during which he was told that only 7,000 people stood up for the Jews out of 35 million in Poland at the time of World War II. We need to ask ourselves, will we be the remnant that stands for Israel? Will we support God's people? Come join us Thursday, November 16th at Redeemer Church in Omaha at 7 o'clock as we stand together for Israel. Thank you for joining us today on Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank. This is a listener-supported show. If you'd like to support this program or contact Debbie Blank, you may do so at P.O. Box 540-003, Omaha, Nebraska, 68154, or visit our website at livingwordministry.org. Please tune in each week at this same time for Living Word Ministries with Debbie Blank.